This week on the Empowered Hormone Podcast, I'm bringing you something super special. I have a recording of an interview done a couple months ago with Carissa Burns, host of the Inside Out Podcast. We talk about gut health, triggers of poor gut health, microbiome diversity, and how our gut health impacts our hormones. Chris and I dig deep into balancing cortisol, other hormone imbalances, and how the contraceptive pill can impact other areas of our health. Krista is a wife, mum and stepmom on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. It was a pleasure to be on her podcast and I hope you guys really enjoyed the chat that we have today. If you resonate with anything that we talk about and you're ready to rebuild your good gut flora and work on those foundations of health, health then jump to the show notes and get on the wait list for October 2021 intake of the Gut Health Solution. I would love to see you here and as always, please leave a five-star review and let us know what you're loving about the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain, and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Sheridan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am wrapped to have you on here talking all the things that I know that you are so passionate about, gut health and hormone health, being a nutritionist. How are you? Good, thank you. Pleasure to be here. I love, yeah, sharing all those things that people don't want to talk about, like their poo or parasites or hormone imbalances. Yep, just bring it on. All the things. I am so excited for this chat. So before we dive into the gory stuff, can you tell me a little bit about you, where you're from, why you started this journey and being a nutritionist, things like that? Yeah, sure. So I actually started with sports science um, and one of those degrees that you're like, yes, I love sport. I'll do sports science. Started doing that and then was like, actually, wait a second, this is not my jam. Like I love sport and I love the background side of things. But then I got to my third year and I was like, oh, nutrition. Now this is fun. This is interesting. Mm. Um, was going to go on and do exercise physiology because that kind of led on from the sports science degree. Again, was like not too clinical, not my thing. And then found a, what's it called? Masters of human nutrition um, with Deakin University in Melbourne. So I'm from WA and I was studying in Fremantle, uh, just, just south of Perth or just yeah near Perth for anyone who doesn't know Western Australia. Then I moved over to Sunshine Coast to Queensland, but was studying remotely at Deakin University in Melbourne, which was awesome. Loved that degree, was great. Uh, started working, doing personal training, uh, teaching those studying to be personal trainers. So Cert 3 and 4 in nutrition, um, as well as Cert 3 and 4 in um, PT. And then I was yeah also doing my own nutrition consults on the side. But the sticking point came when I was like, cool, I'm doing all this personal training work. These women are, you know, they're working out really hard. They're eating really well. I'm doing all their nutrition stuff and they're still not getting the results they were after. So 
At the same time I'd gone through well, whatever it was, like six years of study, um, I was like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not doing that well either, which is what pushed me into the nutrition world originally. But when I was 18, I got glandular fever, I lost my periods, I became celiac, and I started struggling with severe gut issues. So I was severely constipated, I was going only going once a week, I was super fatigued, I couldn't keep up my CrossFit in my super active lifestyle, I had really severe acne, I was bouncing from between, I guess, between specialist to specialist, trying to get an answer, going, what's going wrong? Gynecologist doesn't know, immunologist doesn't know, endocrinologist doesn't know, no one freaking has any idea what's going on with this mm. supposedly healthy 20-year-old who, you know, isn't having periods and has got severe constipation and is really tired and everyone was like, no, you're fine, you're fine. I'm like, well, Clearly I'm not. I know your test results are saying that I'm fine, but I'm not okay. So I was stuck in this whole whirlwind of things while I was doing all this study. And then when I came out of my nutrition and I was helping these people and I started seeing more and more women who were stuck with the bloating, with the constipation, with the loose stools, with the hormonal imbalances. And I mean, I didn't have my periods for six years, which is quite a long time, um, but there's, yeah, there were so many women struggling with so many of the same issues. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a reason for this stuff. If we're all doing all the things and doing all the right things, why is no one getting answers? So, yes. yeah, it oh. was it was hectic, um, which then made me go, okay, there's got to be more going on here beyond the medical approach. And, I mean, our medical system here in Australia is amazing. They keep us alive the birth control pill has its place it's not my preferred option but it has its place medications have their place but when you're going to your gp and they're just giving you the birth control pill because a they don't know why you're having periods b you've got acne c it's possible pcos so go on the birth control pill or possible endometriosis go on the birth control pill mm. and that's when I started getting frustrated because I'm like, well, that's a band-aid approach. And that was the same with the gut stuff as well, going there and being like, you've got IBS. And you're like, well, what does that even mean? And what do I even do with that? And yeah, so it was just a real frustrating time for me. So then I studied functional diagnostic nutrition, which is when I started looking at the root causes. So we did functional stool testing, functional urine testing, functional hormone testing, and went, hey, actually, Sheridan, you've got two parasites, five bacterial overgrowth, leaky gut, mm -hmm. low digestive enzymes, um, candida, yeast overgrowth, like all this stuff that I was like, right, like that's why I'm so symptomatic. And then on top of that, I was pretty much in menopause because I was so adrenally strung out, like I was, you know, stressed because I was studying and then trying to work and finances and I was doing CrossFit five times a week and I was super inflamed. So my adrenals were just like, go, 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 go. Yep. And my hormones were just bottomed out completely, hence the no period. So it all started to make sense. And I actually found underlying causes for what was going on rather than just treating the symptoms. And that's why I'm so passionate about women going, hey, what's actually going on with my health? 
what is the root cause? I'm not just going to take, you know, a, a quick diagnosis as an answer. I want to actually know the why because there's always a why. I resonate so much with so many of your experiences there because I, in my early 20s, not in the same time frame as you, um, went through, you know, I had acne as a teenager and I got put on the pill at 14. And I knew by the time I was 18 that that was a Band-Aid because if I'd forget it or I didn't go and buy it and I'd miss a couple of weeks, my skin would break out like crazy. And I started to figure out and piece together this is just band-aiding my skin. Like I'm still not providing my body with what it needs to, for my skin to thrive. It's still there. Why is it still there? I thought it would go away. And it wasn't until I was like in early twenties and I had a number of other things going on and I thought, no, I'm going to get off the pill and just let my skin breathe for a minute. Let my body take it, take a breather. And I did that and it broke out and it was really bad for about 12 weeks, but I provided my body with, you know, a hydration nutrition exercise and, um, I noticed it had, you know, improved dramatically. And now this is my skin every day. I get the odd pimple every now and then when I eat shit, it reflects on my skin, but it has never broken out like it did when I was younger. Um, and that's just so interesting that you said that because that was the same experience. And then again, with the constipation as when I was young, uh, well, not young, but early twenties, again, I was diagnosed with IBS and then I was diagnosed. Um, they were thinking that celiac and then I had a colonoscopy and I had all these things tests constantly seeing specialists costing a fortune mind you because we're investigating and I'm trying to poke the bear and be like no this is not normal for a 21 year old girl to not go to the bathroom for a week and a half like yes I eat crap sometimes sometimes I eat really well like I was eating fish and broccoli for a week and then still not going like it didn't make sense um, and it, yeah, I, I guess I draw my own experience with yours there because we you need to encourage women to not just go for the easy option out, not just go to the GP and they say, here's a pill or take this and everything will be better. There's a bigger problem here, you know, and it's underlining and I like that that's how you work. Yeah, it's, it's understanding that as well. And there's, you know, the, there's that gap in the sense that there's so many of us who actually don't know, like I didn't know that there is there is a solution for it. Like I didn't know there was a solution for my constipation. Like I knew it wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where to look. And same with my periods and things. I didn't know what to do or where to look. And we're lucky now that, or not everyone, but we're there. There's a lot more talk about it. Like there's podcasts like mine or like yours or like all these other women who are pushing these health topics. And there's I do these workshops and there's women in this health space advocating for us saying, hey, that's not a healthy period. That's not a healthy bowel movement. You shouldn't be bloated all the time. Like there's, there is a lot more awareness, which is so good. Whereas I remember at the time, and this was what, like 10 years ago, I felt so isolated and alone and no one understood. Everyone thought I was being fussy. Everyone thought I was just tired and always moody and grumpy and that chick with no libido and no one wants to be around her. Like she's so annoying. She can't eat anything. And you just feel like this, this pain in the butt to everyone, yet you've got all these issues going on. Like it, it's, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. I remember um, I was told that I was celiac and that I couldn't have gluten and I would eat and that was around a time I did have a pretty poor relationship with food, diet, and my whole lifestyle, my, my self-worth as well. So that, you know, it all correlated. And as a collaboration, it just made things ignite even worse. But I remember I would eat a whole pizza. I'd get takeaway. I lived on my own. I'd eat a whole pizza. And then I'd take a few laxatives. 
I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. No one's going to know. And over time, doing that same thing once a week, once or twice a week, my body then has reacted and just would not no longer go to the bloody toilet without the laxative. And I think that that was just because I had been told take laxatives if you're constipated. And a lot of other young girls, I hear it, I've seen it. I know women who have gone through similar experiences. I know grown adults, like 50-year-old women that are still doing this, that just take laxatives or like um, natural one, Movacol. Yes. Three or four sachets, not one sachet before bed, three or four a day just to stay moving. And it's not normal. And it needs it needs to be like shouted from the rooftops. This is not normal. And if you're listening and you're doing that, stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop it, please stop it. There's there's un- and that's the thing, there's underlying causes for it. For me, like I said, there's the parasites, getting rid of them helped with my stomach pain and a lot of the bloating because I would look pregnant every night. I was just my stomach was so bloated and in the morning you'd have really loose stools and everything would be out you'd be like oh that was weird like don't mm-hmm. I? And, but it was just a repeat cycle you know like it, it would hit and come and go and you couldn't predict what was going to happen and you weren't digesting food so it's it's the parasites it's bacterial overgrowth if you and you need to do comprehensive stool testing for this please don't just go to your gp and get a bulk filled PCR basic stool test, it won't give you enough information, but you need to look for what bacteria in there, what have overgrown and what have undergrown. Because if you've got really low levels of bifobactam or lactobacillus, so two of your really popular good guys, we call them, if you're low in them, you're going to have issues with constipation because Mm. they keep you regular and that's the thing it's that balance it's not just about having an overgrowth of strep or staph or klebsiella or any of those bacteria it's also having an undergrowth which so many of us do of the good guys that's causing your gut issues so that you know and then there's yeast and candida and that's another whole ballpark again but it could be any of these things that are causing it, but it, it will be one of them. Like it, there will always be something. If you've addressed the basics, if you're drinking enough water, you're eating enough fiber, and let's like let's be honest here, because there's a lot of people who don't need the stool testing because they haven't just done the basics yet. And that and by that I mean, you know, eating five to seven serves of veggies a day. You need fiber to poo. Okay. So if you're not eating enough fiber, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not doing enough stress reduction stuff, then yes, go go and address that. Then if you're eating the healthy diet or healthy-ish, you know, 80, 20, whatever, within, you know, within reason, and you're drinking the water and you still got gut issues, then you need to do some stool testing. And that's kind of where it comes down to because you need to know why you're constipated or bloated or having loose stools. And you need to know what the causes are. Because again, if it's parasites, yes, that's a root cause. But what's causing the body to have parasites? Is your immune low because you're in fight or flight mode? Okay, well, why are you in fight or flight mode? Oh, shit, I'm doing high intensity exercise every day of the week. I'm drinking two coffees a day. I'm, you know, running from one thing to the next. I've got three or four kids or or whatever it is. Sounds like life, but anyway. (laughs) Exactly. All this stuff is going to lower your immune. When your immune's lowered, then, hey, I get candida overgrowth or I get bacteria overgrowth or I get parasites and then you have all these symptoms. So it's, it's understanding that, I think. 
I definitely love how you encourage people to take a look at the foundations because something that I do advocate for with mental health and when we're going to our GP and we're going, we're sitting down in front of them and saying, hi, I've got anxiety or I've got, I think I've got depression. I need a pill. Well, I would love if all GPs did this, but I know that they don't. I would love if they just went back to the foundations and said, what's your water intake? What's your exercise? What's your daily routine? How, what time do you get out of bed every morning? What's the first thing you put in your mouth? What's the last thing that you put in your mouth? How much dairy are you having? Like there's so many contributors that we can look at as just foundations to save costs on resources and doctor's times and also help ourselves first. Because if we do all these mindfulness, physical and, and um, you know, mental emotional practices then we're going to have a better life holistically and I think that that comes down that again with gut health and hormonal health that's going to refer to that as well yeah for sure and there's that link right there's that link between mental health and IBS and gut stuff and yes there's the whole hormone picture as well but let's just simplify it to to um you know headspace stuff and gut space stuff but when I was struggling with all my gut stuff I had a lot of anxiety and it was from two things there was one worrying about a what i was going to eat and am i going to react to it but b also that sort of social anxiety can i go out because what if i'm in a lot of stomach pain all those kind of things but then also that whole serotonin production everything produced in your gut and if you've got no good gut flora so you're not producing your b vitamins you're not absorbing your nutrients you're not fueling your body adequately how do you expect you're going to have a healthy mood balance? Like, seriously, if you've got all this gut stuff going on, that like it's just, you know, we, I wish we would look at that more and go, hey, there's a link here. Like, does does that cause that or does that cause that? You know, do I, do I, do I have anxiety because my gut's bad or is my gut's bad giving me anxiety? It, it doesn't matter. Chicken or the egg, they work together. And, and like you said, if the doctor went, hey, go and assess your diet and add some more veggies in and, and start absorbing your nutrients, you might actually feel better as well. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with you there. So tell me, what does health look like to you? Because you are in the field and it would be hard, I imagine, you know, you've still got all life's um, t- t- tasters that we all have, do you know what I mean? And a lot of things would come up, I'm sure. So what does it look like for you? Um, oh man, such a broad question. What does it look like for my life or for other people? Because when I think of health, I think of, you know, let's be really practical about it. I think of regular bowel movements and I think of healthy periods and I think of eating a broad range of foods and not having to cut out foods. I think of healthy social aspects. I think of exercise and exercising regularly and not overdoing it because that is one of the biggest things I see in clinic is women with you know it might be acne or it might be IBS or those kinds of issues and it's because we're overdoing it in the exercise space or the the body image space or too much time comparing ourselves to others so it's it's healthy inside and it's healthy outside and I always say that to people I can do like the internal gut health work with you and get you you know from a to b kind of thing but if you're not doing the other external things and creating a healthy space and a healthy environment outside of your gut so maybe inside of your brain but outside of your gut and working on all those things then you're never you're never gonna get to where you want to be because you just keep pulling yourself down again 
Mm, I saw a naturopath a um, long, long time ago. I started seeing someone locally here in Newcastle. And within the first couple of weeks of seeing him when I was having major health, gut health issues, uh, he done the ideology test with me. And I know that he listens to this, uh, my podcast. So hello, Peter. And he done that test with me. And I remember him looking into my eyes and he was like, whoa, no wonder you're not going to the toilet. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you are like on the verge of a mental breakdown. Your eyes, like he showed me the picture and he's like, that's what your eye looks like uh, and matched it up. And I was like, oh, and he was like, yeah, your stress levels and cortisol, you need to slow it down, stop the high intensity, just start doing some soft, low walks, just cool it for a minute because you're going to have a breakdown and you're not going to the toilet. Like, and this is why the two relate. So it's interesting that you touched on that because that was my experience exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, of course, you know, there's there's that whole hormonal picture. If you're speaking to anyone who has periods and you're thinking about whether they're heavy or they're light or they're painful or there's endometriosis or there's PCOS or there's any kind of hormonal imbalance going on there, well, that is directly going to affect your moods because tell me someone who doesn't notice changes throughout their cycle, throughout their month, you know, because hormones aren't static like hormones fluctuate that's why we have periods so if you're not supporting them in a healthy fluctuation then you're gonna see those differences as well and the other thing is that they impact your bowel movement so it's just so interlinked yeah and we know that good gut health we need a balanced microbiome but can you tell us how does it actually become imbalanced to start with So, yeah, so there's a few key triggers. Um, There's diet. Obviously, poor diet is not going to feed your good gut flora. So you need a range of healthy fibres. So a a diversity of plant fibres in your diet, essentially, is going to feed your good bacteria, which, side note, if you've got gut dysbiosis, so imbalance, then you won't be able to handle a diverse range, like onion, garlic, all those quote-unquote, high FODMAP foods. And if you want to know more about that, just hit me up. But, yeah, you won't be able to handle it. But diversity fibre and diversity diet is key. So if you've got poor diet, like lots of sugar, lots of alcohol, lots of processed carbs, um, those kinds of things, you're going to start to starve good bacteria and feed your bad bacteria. Medication, so birth control pill, um, even your Panadol and those kinds of things affect your gut microbiome. So medication will damage it. Antibiotics obviously is a massive one, especially your penicillin and your broad spectrum ones will just wipe everything. And it can take one to two years to recover after antibiotics. So if you're not like supporting your microbiome post-antibiotics and probiotics are not the be on the end all. I could talk a whole podcast and I do online about probiotics and prebiotics, but prebiotics, post-antibiotics people, prebiotics are going to rebuild your gut faster than probiotics. Um, so yeah, diet, exercise and stress are big ones as well. They're really, really important if you're over-exercising, if you're really stressed, that again will impact your gut microbiome. And how does like alcohol, you touched on that. How does alcohol affect it in terms of, you know, when is it when people are binge drinking primarily that would make it worse or is it people that are drinking every day, a few glasses of wine or, you know, is there anything in particular that people do that make it worse? Um, It'd be a combination of both. It depends 
There's a couple things. Depends what kind of dysbiosis you've got. Like if you've got a yeast overgrowth, fermented, like um, alcohol's fermented, so it's just going to make those things worse typically. Uh, so that's a key area in it. But if you're just talking about general health, then... And it sounds awful, but any bit of alcohol is not good to your microbiome. And I say that from a space of someone who does drink, like I don't, I will have, you know, a few glasses on the weekend of a wine or something like that. I enjoy, enjoy that, but it's not, it's not upbuilding. So if you are drinking every day, it's A, going to affect your sleep and your adrenals, but B, it's going to damage your microbiome diversity. And you really need to think about that, especially if you've got gut issues. Mm. But even from a general health point of view, alcohol is, you know, it's it's just an extra toxin load on our body, like smoking, like excess hormones, like living in a city where you're exposed to chemicals and toxins, like eating up plastic and eating from that. Like it's just another thing that your body's got to work through. Yeah. And assuming, so hypothetically, you know, say you were introducing this for me, someone that does eat quite well, I do like to fuel my body with nourishing wholesome foods, you know, drinking not too regularly, but do have a few drinks every now and then, um, non-smoker, exercises, got the hydration, everything. Someone that's of, you know, a reasonable healthy level. What are some tips that you'd suggest, sorry, to introduce to, to my lifestyle for better gut health? Yeah, so plant diversity is key. Now, when you think about plant diversity, you're thinking about prebiotic fibres. So if someone with no gut issues, I'd be like, right, okay, cool. Your next step then is to make sure you're getting a broad range of plant fibres in your life, like 50 to 80 different types of plants per week. And that looks like your nuts, your seeds, your whole grains, every herb, every spice, every whatever, they all add up. So, you know, if you count off the herbs and spices and things you use, plus a few veggies, plus a few fruit, plus a few grains, you're hitting probably 20 to 30 reasonably easily. If you can up that to 50 or 60 and get a diverse range in your life, that is, that's key to sort of gut health. Because when you feed your good gut flora, you produce short-chain fatty acids and short-chain fatty acids promote a healthy gut lining. So rather than having cells in your large intestine, which are separate, which is leaky gut and things get into your blood and set off an immune response, these cells are all nice shoulder to shoulder. Things don't get into the blood. You don't react to foods and it's going to build that good gut flora. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. I definitely don't have that um, broad range. I know that I don't. So I'm someone that's really good in my habits and my procedures, routine, structure sort of things. So if I've got, you know, if I'm having fish and broccoli three, four nights a week, I'm all right with it. It's there. It's easy. It's quick. But I know that that diversity is key. So that's actually really helpful for someone like myself. Um, hormones and gut health. How do the two integrate with each other and impact each other? Yeah, so this is a great question, but this is um, a tricky one in some people that they don't always draw the link, especially if they don't have gut issues. They're like, oh, I've got no gut issues, can't be impacting my hormones, it is impacting your hormones. Because if you have a hormonal imbalance, so if you've done basic blood work, which is good for everyone to do really, day two to three of your cycle, you do kind of your uh, estrogen, FSH, LH, and then after ovulation, test your progesterone. If there's imbalances, 
you need to assess your gut health because your gut binds up excess hormones, okay? So inflammation will impact your hormones, obviously, because you're causing your adrenals to put out more cortisol to downplay the inflammation. We call it the cortisol still kind of thing. If all your energy is going to cortisol, there's none left, quote unquote, for your other hormones and your body's in that fight or flight mode rather than that rest, digest, reproduce. It's going, Sheridan, I don't want to have a baby right now because I'm running from a freaking tiger, okay? So I've got no energy for that. Same, if you've got parasites, you've got overgrowth in your gut, you're going to have more cortisol, your body's in fight or flight, it's not prioritizing your sex hormones. So that's the one aspect. And the other thing is that your gut binds up those excess hormones. So if you don't have enough of those enzymes, if you're not eating enough fiber, if you're not pooing daily, you are not getting rid of that excess estrogen, that excess testosterone out your body. Okay. Wow. That's a lot to, to digest, to take in. But look, my next question regarding hormone balance is when someone says that they want to have good hormone balance, what does this actually mean? Like I, I hear that as a common term in, I suppose, the, the food or diet, diet industry. And I don't really understand it when it's, when it's said. Yeah, so good, like a good hormonal balance, you're thinking about um, firstly cortisol, so not having too high cortisol because cortisol is a hormone as well. So just it rises in the morning when you wake up, you have energy during the day, it peaks, and then it slowly starts to drip off as the day goes um, down. So you should be tired uh, towards the afternoon, ready for bed in the afternoon. So cortisol, you want that equal. In someone with imbalanced cortisol, it'll be really low in the morning. And then you've got no energy. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't do anything. It might flatline all day or it might lift around lunchtime. But then it's dropping later. So then you have like this second wind before bed and then you don't go to sleep and you're slightly wired. So that could be out of whack or it could go super high in the morning from a couple coffees and then just drop at lunch and then come one, two o'clock and you're just like sleeping at your desk that's another one so there's cortisol imbalances and then there's your sex hormones which is obviously we see that shift throughout your cycle so days one to seven your estrogen progesterone are, are reasonably low then towards ovulation these two start to pick up this can get out of whack if estrogen is higher or in excess compared to progesterone so you want them to be in what we call like a, a good sort of ratio to each other so to speak because if one's high one's low you will get symptoms like heavy periods clotting periods acne you know those kinds of symptoms does Again, that affect libido yes if if they're really low like often i'll see low progesterone or low estrogen and low libido but also because testosterone kind of sits kind of flat but our estrogen and progesterone fluctuate. So when they drop off a bit, like right before your period, you might see acne or skin breakouts because the ratio of your, your estrogen progesterone is super low compared to your testosterone and testosterone will typically give you acne. Um, but also libido, like if progesterone and estrogen are too low or 
was going to say all year round, all month round throughout that cycle, then you're going to see that. You're going to see that um, low sex drive. You might even see spotting around your periods or before your periods because there's not enough progesterone to hold um, the bleed in or low uterus lining or all those kinds of things, um, especially mood changes as well. Okay. And so do, so food wise, so you're saying what we're putting into our bodies to start with, these are these healthy fats, um, good fiber and plant-based foods putting into our bodies and then it's going into our gut and then our gut and microbiome and then producing that onto our hormones. And that is what could be potentially impacting, you know, a woman postpartum who has low libido sort of thing. It could potentially be stemming from what she's eating. Is that right? Yep. So if you're not absorbing your nutrients, so if you're not putting good nutrients in, that's an issue in itself. So a good, healthy, balanced diet, fats, carbs, proteins, focus on good fats, um, especially animal fats. The quality of animal fats are really, really important. I know a lot of people are vegan or vegetarian, but if you've got low hormones or imbalanced hormones, you really, really, really need to reconsider that, um, especially while you're healing that that hormonal or that vitamin deficiency. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the one, the what you're getting into your diet, how you're absorbing them, if your gut's damaged and you're not absorbing those nutrients, we're going to be in a nutrient deficiency. Uh, and then that's obviously going to impact your hormones because your hormones need nutrients. They need fats. They have these precursors, so to speak, to produce them. You need cholesterol. Cholesterol is producing pregnenolone which is producing your hormones kind of thing so you have without it you, you just can't make enough enough good quality hormones many women do suffer from long cycles after going on and off birth control something that you've touched on a little earlier understanding that everyone's body is obviously different do you have any general tips for getting cycles back on track after they've women have been through this yeah you if you're thinking so if you're on birth control and you're thinking about coming off support supporting your body coming up until coming off the pill so you know two to three months prior if you can is really really important beyond the pill by dr jolene brighton is amazing a must read for anyone who's ever been on the pill or has any hormonal imbalances follow her on instagram she's an amazing doctor um and her book like i've yeah i've been often on the pill a little bit but that book is like it's bread and butter to me it's my bible so to speak um so supporting your body coming up into going off the pill or if you're off the pill and you're finding you've got imbalances with your cycles support yeah. your microbiome so that looks like i said those prebiotic rich foods uh and making sure you're pooing daily so maybe a short-term good quality probiotic then B vitamins and what's the other one? Magnesium. They're both depleted by the pill as well. So make sure you're getting enough Bs or taking a good quality activated B supplement and some form of liver support. Because if your liver has been detoxing all these synthetic hormones for you know five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is you've been on it, support your liver uh, as you're coming off it. And post pill acne or post pill symptoms can peak six months after being off the pill so do give yourself time yeah wow that's incredible I didn't I didn't realize that and I think for young girls you know teenagers and things I've got a 
um, 17, almost 18 year old cousin. And I notice things, these conversations that I'm having with her. And I think that it's really important for that, that message alone to be spread far and wide. Like when you're coming off the pill, you may see symptoms six months after and that's totally normal. Like they may then think that they've got more symptoms and go back on. Do you know what I mean? Like they're new symptoms, but they're just the old ones that are finally coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it can take time. Um, it's like I said, Dr. Jolyn Brighton's book and also Lara Bryden with yep. the period repair manual. That book is phenomenal. Like my dream is to go to every school and every girl who's about 12 or 13, hand them one of these books this is your lifeline you're going to need this whether you get heavy periods short periods missing periods acne whatever it is have a read this book and start implementing some of the basic foundational changes rather than going to your gp and just getting popped on the pill for something because that's so frustrating Look, i hope these conversations eventually start being in the school curriculum like it might be 100 years away but my god i hope that we're making changes now I, I really do because uh, you know this conversation and conversations I'm having at the moment surrounding anxiety and depression and and sexual educa sex edu education and um, the postpartum season and motherhood and pregnancy and all these things that we just had no freaking idea about when we were kids and they give us this little piece of paper pamphlet thing and you have like the one PE session where everyone giggles and no one asks questions or the boys ask silly questions and it's there's no depth there's no substance in the teachings of this and it is just so important that we educate our young girls and young boys because this information is so bloody important can you imagine if you grew up with the information that you have now who you would yeah. be as a child like or a teenager not a child but like as a late teen I know that I would have been a completely different woman yeah, I, I always say that about the stuff. I've just built this short course for like nutritional strategies for IBS. My description was like, this is the course that I built for Sheridan 10 years ago. Like if I had this 10 years ago, I would be like, yes, that would have given me some answers or the period repair manual If and not to blame my mum or anyone. But if I'd been given that at 12 or 13 for my acne or my skin conditions, I wouldn't have thought, oh, the pill's the only option. I would have known that there's more going on. 100% even just the anatomy of our bodies like yeah oh just between you and I and everyone that's listening but I didn't know until I was like 14 maybe even later I don't know that there was two holes like one that you pee out of and one that the tampon goes in I just thought it was one hole and I didn't think that you could pee and have a tampon in at the same time so I used to take them out all day and it goes through like 20 a day <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're the only one. <laughs> Look, final question for you today. Other than nailing your nutrition, what are some non-negotiables that you do in your day that take care of you from the inside out? Self-time, definitely time out for me um, and that, I mean, I'm quite introverted in a sense, like I happily spend time by myself and there's people who don't, but making sure I go for a gentle walk or meditating is amazing, but I struggle with it because I'm an A-type and I'm go, go, go and just to see yeah. it's really not attractive <laughs> to me, but taking that time out to go for a short walk with the dog or just when I do eat my food, just eat it in peace and quiet and just you know making sure I'm thankful and I'm actually going oh yeah just chew my food and enjoy it but definitely that that headspace stuff doing time for me and that might be listening to a podcast it might be going for a walk it might be chatting to a friend or something but it's just 
otherwise I'd just get caught in the rat race so fast mm -hmm. like I, I love to do all the things and I love to be busy and I, I you know that's why we own our own businesses otherwise we wouldn't yeah. but if I if I don't my I see it in my hormonal balance I see it in my constipation I see it in my skin like your body knows and it'll mm. tell you when something's not right it will. That's a very important message to close out with. So thank you so, so much for all of your time today. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking. Mm -hmm.